0: Hello everyone, this is Brian here, pleased to bring you a new episode of Beyond Prisons. Today, Kim and I are discussing a guide to supporting incarcerated people and their loved ones during the coronavirus crisis, which we published at our new website. You can check it out along with some demands we put together, mutual aid resources, and more at beyond-prisons.com slash COVID-19. We'll include a link in the show notes as well. Thank you so much to everyone out there worked with us to pull this guide together, who contacted us to volunteer, we're sincerely grateful and it was really great to see such an outpouring of support, so thank you. Please share this guide with your friends and your family on social media wherever you can if you find it helpful. We want to get it into the hands of as many people as it can help and we will continue to update it in the coming days and weeks, so please check back. And take note of the form linked on the website in case you have any regional or facility-specific suggestions for people supporting their loved ones on the inside. We're trying to pool information that is helpful to everyone, while having specific, locally relevant suggestions for people as well. Please take a moment, if you like the show, to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to it. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And check out our new website, beyond-prisons.com. Please send us tips and feedback as well at beyondprisonspodcast at gmail.com. And finally, we know a lot of you have been impacted in many ways by the events of the last few weeks. We have as well. We are so grateful for everyone who is willing and able to continue supporting the show. We understand if you can't, um, but if you're in a position where you can chip in even a few dollars a month and you want to support our work with the podcast, with this guide, with other projects, please join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash beyond prisons. Or you can check out some of the donation options at beyond-prisons.com slash donate. So with that said, please stay safe out there. And we hope you find this episode and our guide helpful. I I think we have a lot to talk about today. You know, obviously there's a lot going on. I don't need to catch anybody up on uh, the news, I don't think, right now. But, you know, I have to commend you, Kim, for doing truly tremendous work here. Kim and Beyond Prisons have been compiling resources for supporting prisoners and supporting their families during the COVID-19 crisis. Kim, if we could just start out, you can talk about uh, you know how this project came together, the people that you're that you're working with to to pull this together and what the goal is here, and then we'll we can go through and talk about some of the the things that you have in here.
1: It really, it started because uh, if if I didn't put my energy into doing this thing, um, I was probably going to, you know, just be super anxious and freaking out over everything that is happening, uh, especially, you know, given that I have two sons in, in prison. Um, but I also know a lot of other people that are incarcerated and, you know, thinking through What they need right now in this moment and the kinds of things that are helpful, um, in times of crisis and it can make things easier for them. Um, it's really what drove me to start putting this thing together. So I spent, you know, a few hours, um, A week and a half ago two weeks ago almost now um just jotting down anything that i could think of that's come up over the years uh in terms of you know organizing for prisoners rights um into into a document and it wasn't pretty it wasn't fancy it wasn't proofread or any of those things it was just like okay you know um they, they need food they need you know medical attention they need um, you know access to cleaning supplies telephone call all of the things that um, can ease you know a crisis you um, Are things that made it into that document. And uh, I sat on it for maybe like a couple of days. I shared it with you. And then Mm -hmm. I shared it, I think, with one or two other people initially. And then I opened it up um, and I just put out a call, you know, um, or we put out a call on, um, Mm -hmm. on Beyond Prisons. Uh, to ask if other people would help us build this resource. And, you know, we got a tremendous response right away. Um, We had organizations across the country um, saying that they would love to, you know, um, assist in building this resource and contributing to, you know, to that document and helping to refine it, helping us to think through and refine um, the list of demands that we included um, and, you know, just giving us a language and a structure um, for something that would be useful for other people. So by no means um, was this, uh, you know, like something that I did by myself. Like there Mm -hmm. are a lot of people um, that share in the credit, um, you know, uh, of putting this together. And I feel like it's, it's really important. Um, You know, our top demand is uh, to decarcerate, to get people out. Of prison, um, you know, as many people released uh, as quickly as possible, and not just you know nonviolent offenders, because I'm seeing a lot of that, um, and I think that that misses the point. Um, that, you know, um, as we say in the document, you know, um, our first demand is the immediate release of all detained people, especially all pretrial detainees, the elderly, pregnant, immunocompromised prisoners, as well as all mothers and infants in prison nurseries and mothers who are postpartum. Additionally, we demand the release of detained people who have less than 18 months on their sentences, we echo the demand of by critical resistance to commute the sentences of people serving life without parole. So that pretty much covers everyone. Right. So, you yeah. know, um, yeah. And, and we mean that we mean that. So we put that at the top um, because we would ideally like to get everyone out. And there are a number of efforts around the country happening right now, different campaigns uh, to, you know, to push for the immediate release of, you know, different categories of uh, prisoners, right? So that's happening, right? That's already Mm -hmm. happening. Um, And it's not because the, you know, various departments of correction have had, you know, um, a change of heart uh, and have, all of a sudden, become abolitionists and uh, and whatnot. No, it's because people have been organizing on the ground and have been pushing for that, and uh, and and it's it's happening. It's happening, but it's not happening enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and organizing and pushing, you know, for years up to this point, and only now, exactly. you know, pushing it over the edge. Um, you know, just reflecting on com- some of the things that you said there uh you you know the the issue of sort of like releasing people who pose a risk versus those who don't you know i find that um you know i again like i understand i'm not ignorant to the sort of political uh posturing that that is trying to accomplish but i just think that on a moral level it's wrong i think on a practicality level it's impossible i mean
1: well, let me let me put it this way, because it's something I think about all the fucking time. Right. Yeah. So basically, when you know, when someone like me and there are a lot of people that have, you know, um, loved ones serving you know, life in prison without the possibility of parole or what we have also come to call you know death by incarceration so when people say you know that only certain people should get out what we hear and as a mother what i hear is like you know what fuck you mom your kids should die right that's what we hear right so let's cut through the bullshit and, you know, and just get right down to it. So you're basically saying that their lives don't matter. Um, and that, you know, it, it, everything will be fine if we just let these other people out. Right. And that's it, That includes movement folks, too. So yes, yeah. yeah, calling them out. If you're pissed, then be pissed. But, you know, it's like that's a problem, I think, across the board. And it doesn't actually help overall you know the effort to decarcerate it basically says well we're only going to focus on these people over here because we don't want to offend or upset other people right it's like who are you really concerned with right like that's not uh don't
0: well i mean I, yeah i completely agree I, I completely agree with you i think for me it's like on the one hand when we're facing a deadly illness you know i there's to try to make this moral distinction there, there is no moral distinction between somebody who is like, quote, you know, a violent offender and someone who's quote, a nonviolent offender, their health does not fall along those lines. And and our duty to take care of them, you know, doesn't change depending on that designation, Mm -hmm. but practically there is no way to, I mean, like you could go by the, the charge there, you know, that they were convicted on. I guess. But there is no practical way to know who is going to be violent and who is not going to be violent if you release them. So what I'm saying is like, the whole idea of it is bullshit in the first Absolutely. place. And we're playing this game. You know, I think it's it's not that different than what we're seeing play out with the way people are talking about these relief checks that, that people are, uh, you know, organizing for and hoping to get. You know they they want to meet the most of the democratic party is calling for means testing them in one way or another as Mm -hmm. if we can you know um do that in a way that isn't going to leave uh some people screwed over who should get it you know it's a waste of time to try to do that in a moment uh of this urgency if you're worried about fraud in terms of means testing you can deal with it later through taxation it really doesn't fucking matter. Like, we should not be concerned that maybe somebody's going mean, to get it, money it, who it, doesn't. And with it, the subject of of risk here, yeah. I think it's similar in the sense of like, there, we we're using computer algorithms algorithms based on racist data. Yeah. Like, we have no way to know who's violent, who's going to engage in a violent act. No one is a is inherently violent, you know. So I, I just think it's it's just. Yeah, I, it's uh, wild to see people try to do this song and dance at a time like this. Um, that, well, I mean, I they've,
1: been, they've been doing that song and dance for a long time. And right. whenever they get pushed back, they're like, well, you know, it's kind of like this incrementalist approach. Well, if we can get these folks released and maybe we can get these other people released down the road. And again, it's like you're you're wanting to play God. Right. Yeah, you right. That, right. It's like you're saying, OK, well, you know, we can choose a certain people over here um, and we can prop these people up and say, look, these are our model prisoners or these will be model citizens and whatnot. And these people are deserving rather than saying all human beings deserve you know to have all of the things right to have food and shelter and all of this stuff which is basically what people are struggling with in this moment like the things that actually matter are those very basic needs right and the most vulnerable among us are you know people in prison because they don't get a fucking choice as to you know the kind of food that they eat um their movements or any of that other stuff their space yeah face all of that, right? They're not they can't just, you know, go out to urgent care, they can't go to a drive-through and get, you know, testing. I mean, most of us can't anyway. Right. Um but especially, but, you know, especially yeah. if you're incarcerated. But um I want to bring us back to um to this resource and to this guide um that we created so that we can you know, focus on that because we could go in on, you know, what people are doing or not doing. But I think that, um, yeah, just having, you know, having a guide and having a place where, especially if you don't know how to navigate the system and you see, you know, prisons and prison officials as very distant as, you know, like, these institutions aren't something that you can question or, you know, you're intimidated by. It's like, okay, here, here in one place, we've created a resource where you can get some information, especially if you don't have that experience or, you know, whatever, um, that can empower you in this moment, but it can also help empower, um, you know, people on the inside and, you know, so that they don't feel like they've been, abandoned, um, in this moment. And a lot of people do feel like that, like they are being completely left, you know, um, left alone. And I think that that is, you know, like we need to, we need to address that. And the guide is just a small contribution to, you know, um, towards helping, um, people I feel.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, we uh, I appreciate so much of the way that this is laid out and the thought behind it. We're going to be putting it uh, online. Uh, well, sorry, it already is online. Um, we're also going to be putting it on the Beyond Prisons website, which will be launching uh, a new version of the website. Hopefully, in the next day or two, um, we'll put a link in the description for this episode. It should be beyond prison.com um, and um, you know, I think. One of the things that I really appreciated about this was uh, at the very top, we have, you know, we compiled all this information. Um, a lot of it, like you said, was information that you and others and, and myself had um, from our experiences with the prison strike and with the, the Vaughn rebellion and, you know, various uh, prisoner support work over the last several years. Um, there was also a link at the very top of the document to a form uh, for people to add additional information for the guide, and particularly uh, as it pertains to regional and facility-specific uh, aspects of, you know, advocating for people on the inside, um, which I think is great because, and you know, something that we'll build out as we get responses in on the website, um, because you know there are a lot of these strategies that are in the document can pertain to any facility in any part of the country. But, you know, the way that the the system or the systems are set up is that they're like basically little fiefdoms, you know, mm-hmm. fragmented across the country. And in order to really help people, we need to facilitate sharing knowledge and strategies and things that we know work and things that we know are absent from certain facilities uh, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, that's at the top of the document, this form. And I just wanted to shout that part out. Um, Before we dive in, because I think it's a it's a very uh, thoughtful and crucial aspect of this.
1: Yeah, and definitely, you know, fill out the form. There's, you know, 14 sections, but um, it goes very quickly, you know, state, city, um, facility information, just the name of the facility so that we can, you know, check that off. Um, Our list, uh, the kind of, you know, medical information that might be useful um, for folks if they're trying to advocate, um, whether it's for, you know, transgender care, disability care, folks with chronic illness, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, Um, legal advocacy uh, and, you know, the kinds of resources that might be available in your particular area um, pertaining to, you know, that prison, Um, or folks in in that region, I should say, um, Mm -hmm. so let me correct myself, um, grievances, right. Um, how to navigate, you know, the, the grievance process and what, you know, um, what strategies you can suggest as an alternative to the formal grievance process, I think, um, are really important. And that's something that, you know, we're already seeing, you know, um, retaliation against prisoners and all kinds of things that are happening, people not being allowed to, you know, wipe down their cells, um, you know, people not being permitted to, you know, access to water and things like that. So we're already seeing, you know, how um, COVID-19 is impacting incarcerated people. Um, But once this really spreads, we're going to be seeing a lot more of it, and the problem that we're going to be confronting then is that many facilities will lock down, mm-hmm. and when they lock down, that basically creates an information vacuum because prisoners don't have access to the phones, they won't have access to video visits or any of the things that you know they can use now to communicate um, with folks on the outside. So, having that this information available um, will help loved ones, um tremendously, right? Who are struggling and worrying and trying to figure out, you know, what to do for themselves. Um, but it'll also help prisoners because we can, you know, we can rally around, you know, and, and get other people um to rally around uh, the needs of different prisons, you know? And that has to be, it has to be local. It's not something that we can do from, you know, you know like where we are you know it's like uh, what's happening in you know arkansas or oklahoma or wherever um that it has to come from those spaces because you know the people there are the ones that really know what's going on and if there's not anything that's going on maybe that's you know that's going to be the thing that really is revelatory about gathering all this information, we're going to be able to see the gaps. We're going to see where things are not happening. Right. And we can put energy um, to that and we can try to direct some energy to that. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, the other, you know, sections um, include many of the same things that are on the guide um, and a section on, you know, building up demands for, different prisons and, you know, and for your region. And, you know, people are welcome to use the demands, obviously, that uh, Beyond Prisons has compiled and outlined um, and to tweak those if they're relevant and they make sense for, you know, what's going on in in your area. Um, But we also encourage you to, you know, develop your own set of demands based on what the needs are there.
0: Yeah. And I want to thank, you know, people in advance and you know, and particularly people who have already chipped in um, for doing that work, because it's going to help a lot of other people. Um, I I guess we can kind of uh, jump around and maybe talk about some of these different sections. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the first sections here, obviously, is, you know, what to do if your person gets sick. I think right away, you know, you raised something uh, or something is raised in here that's very important is going to be, uh, you know, maybe a lot of listeners to this show know this, you and I know this, you obviously from your experience, um, my experience covering this for a long time is that, uh, especially, especially in terms of when there's a lockdown, prisons are not going to facilitate communication around what is happening on the mm-hmm. inside during a lockdown. And in a situation like this, where we have people getting sick, we can expect that prisons are not going to tell people what's going on with their loved ones on the inside. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, the guide here suggests uh, a variety of things, including documenting everything, uh, which is a theme I think that comes across throughout this document and is one that I think is incredibly important, incredibly important, um, you know, in my experience, um, is to document everything. And I want to also encourage people that you know, if you have a loved one on the inside and you are finding out about things that are going on, um, you know, you can contact us, uh, you know, to share those stories. You know, we are media. Um, I would like to give the opportunity to uplift the voices of families and people on the inside as much as possible, because like with everything else right now, most of what we're learning about the what little is happening or is not happening is just brief official statements, very anodyne statements about uh, the situation in, in jails and prisons and detention centers. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you had anything that, that you wanted to add on on that particular part of it. Um, yeah. You know, I do think the, la- the last thing I'll say is uh, the part about um, you know, encouraging people to call and be persistent and to demand action and not to sort of just take uh, you know, you know, whatever they give you. Uh, in return is is an especially important one, especially at a time like this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah
1: yeah, um thanks for that. i I would go back just a little bit um to get getting your person's contact information and having that handy. A lot of families or a lot of people um that you know like aren't used to doing this kind of work may not know that. I know movement folks know that stuff. Um, but a lot of other people don't. So you need to know, you know, you need to have their legal name, right? Like you need to have the, the spelling of their name, you need to have that stuff uh, laid out, their date of birth, um, their SBI number, their State Bureau identification number, have that stuff handy, because if you have to call up to the prison, um, they may ask you for that number. And, you know, they may not want to help you if you don't have it. And they won't give it to you. So that's another thing you need to know. The prison won't give you that information. They're expecting prisoners to have given you that information. Right. So um, and then knowing, you know, the location, really knowing where the prison is located um, is key and, uh, and the housing unit that your person is on. Right. Um, that that will help in a number of different scenarios that you know we're not going to outline here but um particularly for this moment having that stuff handy can help when you're calling up to the facility if your person or someone else um, calls you and says, you know, I think they're sick or they got moved to the infirmary or whatever, or you're concerned that, you know, they have a chronic illness and they're not being attended to or they're not getting their medications or there's some kind of disruption or something. um, Have that information handy. Um, Write it down, you know, whether it's in your phone, your computer, on an index card, post it on your fridge um whatever so that you know it so that it's there. But um I think, you know, Brian, you you really covered um, you know, the things in terms of if your person gets sick, um, you know, what to do. Calling, calling the facility, I think is crucial. Call, call and ask to speak to the warden. The warden's the top person in charge at the prison. Call them. You have you are able to call them, you have the right to call them, you know, they may not give you any information. They may stonewall you and give you the runaround, or they may just, you know, like, you know, dismiss you in some way, put you through the voicemail or whatever. Still call, right? Still call. Um, don't, Don't take this as a kind of, you know, oh, well, you know, throw your hands up and it's like, it is what it is. It's not what it is. And the more of us that basically you know, um, push back against that. Um, I think the the better off we all are.
0: Definitely. Um, where would you like to go next?
1: I think food just makes the next one, but let's talk mm-hmm. about, food. Oh, you know what? No, actually, um, one more thing in terms of that section. Yeah. Um, you can always call and ask to be connected with the medical unit, right? Or what's called the infirmary inside. Um, the person who answers the phone initially may or may not be willing to connect you to um, to medical. If they are, great. Now you can talk to a nurse. You can find out what's going on. You can see. You know, they may they may not be willing to tell you if your person is there. Um, but call and ask anyway. That way, any little tiny snippet of information is better than none. So um, that's another way to kind of, you know, penetrate these institutions and not just have it be, you know, this kind of giant wall of silence where mm-hmm. you get nothing from them. You have to ask. And sometimes you will be very surprised um, at what, you know, at what you can get.
0: Yeah, Um you know in in terms of food i think this is another one that i think is very troubling um we know that in general uh getting nutrition is a huge challenge if not you know not possible for many prisoners um right now one of the the big recommendations that we're getting from medical professionals is to try to strengthen your immune system uh in part by you know, eating healthier foods, fresh fruits and vegetables, so on and so forth. Um, this is not an option uh, for a lot of people in prison. And the commissary in particular plays a big role in people's ability to stay fed um, and to take care of themselves. Uh, one of the demands I know that we have on the document is for free commissary, particularly for this reason, to make sure that You know, if there's lockdowns, if there's supply shortages, what have you, right now, we should be letting people on the inside stock up on what they need to stay fed and stay full. Um, And uh, yeah, so, you know, there's a section in here um, that pertains to that. Um, You know, this is another area to uh, including for people on the outside who might be supporting people on the inside, I think, who may have lost incomes that they were relying on. Um, to support people on the inside, Uh, you know, I think we should make an effort to, um, you know, connect them with mutual aid uh, and, you know, other support networks so that they can also have their needs met. Um, Was there anything that you wanted to to speak on in this section?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, if um, for folks that are not aware, because I I didn't write this document thinking it was like really primarily for movement folks I wrote it for everyone else that might have a loved one on the inside and is trying to navigate the system in this time of crisis so you know um even even movement folks may not know the inner workings of you know a lot of uh these prisons depending on what you know what aspect um of work they're doing you know what what thing they're they're focused on but um the, the food that the meals that prisoners generally get, um, are insufficient, right? So they supplement those who have access either through, you know, jobs or, um, you know, people putting money on their, um, on their books. Um, it's what we call it, um, on our commissary, um, they supplement, you know, the meals that they, that the prison provides, for them with all of this other stuff. And in a lot of cases, it's, it it may be their primary source of, um, of food, right. Because of whatever reason, sometimes it's just the stuff that you get inside may not be enough. It may not be, you know, to your taste and things like that. Um, so people supplement through commissary um, so commissary is very likely um to not be available um to people when there's a lockdown um, in at most facilities there is no commissary uh during a lockdown and if there's a prolonged lockdown um then it's going to be more difficult for people to access food. And, you know, this is an important part of how people are, you know, staying alive. So, um, you know, we did, we included that demand in there, um, you know, for free commissary for everyone, because we don't believe that it should be contingent on whether you have, you know, financial resources um, or not, whether, you know, you, stay healthy, uh, during this time. We're supplementing, um, the next section, uh, got a really, really good, um, you know, uh, wording and language to include in this next section on food allergies and kosher meals, et cetera. Um, from one of our, um, one of the folks that saw the post about helping out with the resource. So we're going to update that section with, um, the information that they gave us, which I think is really useful mm-hmm. and things that, you know, just like, we don't know it all. Um, we don't attempt to know it all. Uh, so having, you know, having other people, uh, Give us feedback and input is really critical to making this guide um, useful for as many people as possible.
0: Yeah. Is it cool if we go down to the medical yeah, section? Absolutely. Next?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think another really important thing that's raised right away in this section is talking about making sure that you are added as a HIPAA contact for your person on the inside. Um, you know, again, folks might not know that due to privacy laws, you need to basically have consent uh, in order to do wellness checks and get uh, access to certain health information for people on the inside. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you have to make sure that you are designated as a a HIPAA contact for uh, in order to receive that information about a person on the inside. Um, And, you know, again, in terms of lockdowns, uh, we see time and time again that there are disruptions in people's health care and they're ongoing, you know, if they have any, you know, even just speaking like outside of coronavirus, if they have chronic illness, terminal illness, um, mental health care needs, uh, prescription drugs, a lot of times that treatment gets interrupted. Um, the the dispense, uh sorry, the dispensary of medication, Um can be disrupted. It can uh, really be a tumultuous, tumultuous, and violent time. With that regard, Uh, in that regard, sorry, tripping all over my words here. Um, And then you know, also, especially for transgender prisoners, making sure that you know in the prisons where they are providing, um, you know, uh, hormone replacement therapy and other treatments. um, You know, getting prepared now in order to advocate and do what you need to do to try to make sure that that those treatments are not interrupted in the case of a lockdown or other kind of service disruption.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. um, Just one more uh, note on HIPAA um, information, Uh, depending on where you are in the country, and this is why, you know, we're emphasizing and highlighting and underscoring, you know, the need for uh, folks to uh, do this more locally. Um, some prisons permit uh, or not permit, require um, that as people are being processed once they're, you know, booked, um, you know, that they fill out HIPAA information. Um, but that may not be the case across the board. So, you know, it depends on where you are um and if that's not happening you know folks want to be aware of that um and yeah so I, I just wanted to to say that um yeah i i i think you covered you know the mm-hmm. the stuff around medical um you know medical care there um really well you know, what I'll say about phone calls is that, you know, um, as much as we don't want to line the pockets of GTL and these other uh, phone companies, there's only what, like two or three um, in the entire country. Um, (laughs) Right now, we are in special times. So if you can afford to Um, We're encouraging you to put, you know, even five or ten dollars on somebody's phone account. Um, GTL announced uh, recently in the last couple of days that they're providing, you know, like free five minute calls, um, you know, twice a week. I think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just not enough. Right. Yeah. So uh, I don't want them patting themselves on the back or, uh, you know, anyone else patting GTL on the back. We pay for those calls and we've been paying for those calls with, you know, like for years now. Um, many of us have. So two free phone calls for five minutes um, is just it's a slap in the face, frankly, uh, and we should be demanding more. So, yeah, five minutes might be enough to let you know that, you know, hey, I'm OK um, and do a quick check in. But it's not enough to really, you know, talk to someone. So, you know, we're saying that it's going to be hard um, in the event of a lockdown um, for, you know, uh, people inside to communicate. And we know communication is really one way. They have to call us. We can't call in and talk to them. So, um as soon as you can, if you can um, either put money on, you know, on their person, on your person's um, phone account and uh, or connect with one of the mutual aid groups or start your own mutual aid group, if mm-hmm. you know, if you can do that and you have the capacity to do that. Um, start one in your area for your prison so that you can raise funds to put on people's, you know, phone accounts. But I would say the first line would be to, you know, try to get um, to, to work with folks to try to get GTL to provide free phone calls and to lift the cap on this five minute bullshit, because that's just not, that's just not enough.
0: Totally. And if it's, if the excuse is that, well, there's not enough phones and there's so many people, then get more fucking phones is what I have put, to say.
1: Put more phones in. It's, <laughs> it's just, you know, having two phones on a unit when you have, you know, yeah, exactly. 400 people is just, one, it's a recipe for disaster. It really is. It's just, and, and. It's not uncommon to have fights break out over the phone and people get into arguments and things like that because, you know, you have to create a line and all this stuff. So that those are things that can be avoided. Right. So those are things that you can also if you know that. About the facility where you are, that's a point that you can demand, or that's something that you can advocate around and ask for a change, right? So you can contact your, you know, Department of Corrections. You can contact your governor, um, other elected officials, and say, look, you know, we need we need them to have access to the phones. If there are only two phones, then say, you know, put in more phones and buy more phones. Give a number that's actually reasonable based on how many people are on you know on each unit um and not just you know because they'll just add one more phone and they'll say well check you know check off that box we did you know we added three phones you know we added one phone so now you have three um and then that's it it's kind of what they already did with the you know well we're giving you free phone calls no not so fast right yeah not so fast um we, uh, we included video visits um, under telephones, then we may need to separate that out so that it's clear. Um, mm-hmm. Not all facilities have access to video visits um, and video visits can be expensive. If you can set up a video visit, um, I would encourage you to do so as soon as possible. Um, the video quality is usually crap. Um, you know, There are usually all kinds of, of problems or whatever. It tends to work better if you're on a desktop or a laptop, um, rather than on a phone, at least it's been in my experience. Um, but you know, and it's not a substitute, it's not a substitute for in-person visits. It's a really poor substitute for an in-person visit. Um, but right now we're practicing social distancing and facilities, um, across the country for the most part have canceled visitation. So, you know, uh, setting up, um, a virtual visit, you know, might be a useful thing, um, and helpful, uh, for a lot of things. If you have small children and they need to see a parent, incarcerated parent, um, that, you know, gives them an option, you know, uh, to do that. And, you know, um, but again, once there's a lockdown, those things won't be available or if they are, if, the prison does make it available, whatever prison you know you're you're thinking of. Um, it will be in very limited, very limited quantity.
0: Yeah, and I think I'll just add. I think we t- you you touched on this a little bit, but just to to pull it out a little bit more, like you know, obviously, there part of the need of this is to stay in touch should someone get sick, either on the inside or the outside, but also whether it be the lockdown conditions on the inside, uh, whether it be the stress of knowing what's going on on the outside and being you know stuck in prison, um, or whether you're a family member with a loved one inside dealing with the stress of the isolation and social distancing and everything and worrying about your person inside. Um, you know This is incredibly important to maintain these ties of communication. I know we've talked about this on the show countless times um, you know, on a me- for, in terms of mental health. Uh, you know, maintaining these ties and this communication, especially in a moment like this, is yeah. critical. It's absolutely critical. Um, you know, people can can break down without it. And I think that we, this has to be imperative um yeah. in any strategy. So I just wanted yeah. to add that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I wanna say full disclosure right now, I am not a lawyer. Um, I don't play one on TV either. Um Brian's not a lawyer. Uh, No, we put this information in here—the legal information, uh, based on our experience um, over the years dealing with, you know, various issues, advocating for um, for prisoners. So, in terms of, you know, and obviously, we encourage if you're an attorney and you want to chime in and, you know, give us. Um, you know, help build this resource and, you know, particularly this section, because there's a lot of things that are not included in this section. Um, but we also, you know, hesitate to put anything in there that might be construed as legal advice um, and, uh, and, and lead somebody, you know, in, in the wrong direction. So, you know, just need to put that disclaimer um, at the Definitely. beginning. um In terms of things like, you know, court appearances, uh, you know, there are a number of um, states so far that have, uh, you know, continued or terminated uh, court appearances uh, across the board. For what they're calling, you know, non-essential, um, you know, hearings or what have you. Uh, so you want to make sure you're documenting that. Document when that happened when your person's supposed to have a hearing, and um, contact their attorney. If they have a private attorney, they should be, you know, like they should be letting you know. Um, but if they have, you know, a public defender, um, contact them. Uh, we know from experience. I can tell you from Just this past week, um, week and a half, actually uh, advocating for people that are, you know, have less than 90 days left um, on their sentence or, you know, were recently arrested and trying to get those folks out, um, that public defender's offices are really maxed out right now. Um, so you have to, you have to be persistent. You have to keep calling, um, get other people to help you out and call, um, to get information about what's going on with, uh, with your person.
0: I guess anecdotally, uh, this isn't obviously available to all prisoners, particularly because of the cost and the materials required to send mail and some of the restrictions on how much you can send out and so on and so forth. I do know that in certain situations if, uh, you know, because of how frequent uh, it is that prisoners have their possessions and their documents destroyed during lockdowns and and so on and so forth, um, I know that some prisoners, if they have people on the outside that they can send things to that are are sensitive documents, anything like that, um, they'll try when they can to send uh, those documents out. Um, You know, again, it's not an option available to everyone because of money or because of location. Um, but I figured I would just throw that out. Um, yeah, out I, I, would,
1: I would, I would go back, um, just to the legal visits and legal mail there, um, in terms of legal visits, a lot of places, um, have canceled legal visits. I know yeah. of federal, bureau of prisons have uh, all legal visits are canceled until further notice. Um, but you know, at the state level, it's state by state, and it may even be, you know, like, more local than that. Uh, yeah. so you have to check to see what's going on. The person to contact would be, you know, an attorney. Um, if you don't have an attorney, I would, you know, contact the public defender's office or, um, if you need information, contact a DA's office. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. In terms of case files, like if you, you know, and people that, have been in this for a while um and have been advocating for their person probably do this already. Um, but for folks who don't have that experience, um if you keep copies of your person's uh case files, um then great, you know, have those things handy and um and organized. And I know it's hard. Um, I have a shit ton of files, um, for both of my sons. And, you know, it's like, it's a tremendous amount of paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, you know, having it available is, is useful in case they need something or I need to pull something for them. Um, but you can always contact the court or the prothonotary's office to get, um, to get that information. And, uh, I would just suggest that folks advocate for getting that information for free because, Mm -hmm. Um, It's free for prisoners, um, but it's not free if you're calling and you're like, hey, I'm so-and-so's mom. I'd like to get a copy. They're going to charge you, you know, some ridiculous amount of money, you know, like usually per page, at least in my experience. So um, being aware that these things are going on um, gives people a way to fight that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Cool. I feel really like the like ill equipped to address the religious considerations um but we also got some good mm-hmm. uh feedback on that section, and that section's going to be you know a bit more robust in the next couple of days mm-hmm. as we add information there but I would just say, you know, um, both of my sons are Muslim. Um, and I know that, you know, Ramadan is coming up on April 23rd. And, uh, if facilities, you know, are on lockdown, um, you know, and obviously prisoners can observe Ramadan if they choose to. Um, but the facility may not make it easy for them to do that. Right. So, things like getting them meals, you know, so that they can break the fast, at, you know, in the evening and, and what have you. Um, those things may be disrupted. Um, so if if that's the case, I would, you know, suggest um, contact um, the imam uh, for the prison and you can find that out by talking to your person um, or calling the warden's office and asking if they would give you that information. Um, you know, I, I don't see why they would object uh to to giving you that information some people may be very hostile um you know to that but uh you know ask,
0: ask. yes yeah. yeah we will build this section out for sure and um you know i think one of the things we're realizing too is that this could go on for quite a while so you know certainly there will be other uh you know holidays down the line um mm-hmm. that will be impacted by this
1: absolutely um, absolutely
0: let's move on to releases uh um yeah i think um this is a very important consideration uh you know and i think right away one of the things that you wrote here that i think is really important is that i think there definitely should be concern that this crisis uh you know to quote the document will be used as a pretext to extend confinement um Mm -hmm. and this is just another one of those places where you know you're going to want to be diligent in keeping records keeping a diary, um, and planning ahead. Uh, you know, if the person is going to be released in a month or two months or three months, um, it might be a good time now to start, you know, calling and agitating and try to figure out what the plan is, um, to make sure that release happens on time, um, and to be able to respond effectively if not. Um, so I think that's a really important, uh, a really important part of this, you know, the, the machine is going to keep turning uh, you know as the days goes on go on and people should be released if they were supposed to be released uh, mm-hmm. so yeah
1: and people who were recently arrested in the last few weeks who may not have you know received a hearing um, or their hearings were continued until you know whenever indefinitely or until further notice or what have you um, the, those are things that you know you want to kind of keep track of there are a number of campaigns happening um i know you know in new york um their efforts to uh get people released their efforts all around the country to get people released let me you know say it that way mm-hmm. um there are specific efforts to get people released like with urgency um you know right now but um yeah, so I would, you know, I would have those things, you know, on my radar, and I would contact the warden, I would contact the, you know, DA's office, I would contact the governor, um, and ask, you know, them to intervene or to, you know, release the person, the warden isn't doesn't have a say so over that, um, you know, it's to contact the warden, uh, in terms of, you know, just getting information, if your person will be released, you know, on time. Mm-hmm. Um just it, just to clarify, you know, so that folks don't think because the warden doesn't have power over, you know, when someone gets released, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about grievances?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, briefly, you know, we're encouraging people to use um, the internal grievance process. And as we say in the guide, yeah, we know it's bullshit. Um, because the people who set the rules shouldn't also be, you know, the ones having to decide whether a grievance has merit or not. Um, but we we ask people to file grievances as a way to document what is happening, right? So that if, you know, you need to use that information down the line, you have a paper trail and having a paper trail is important. We know that, you know, from uh, different lawsuits and what have you, you know, over the years, that, you know, those things can become the basis for, um you know, for lawsuits. And, and that's important. So it's not the end all be all, but it's one of many strategies that we use to, you know, to advocate for for prisoners.
0: Lockdowns are the next section. I know that we've sort of discussed that throughout this mm-hmm. uh, conversation. Um, I don't know if if there's anything that you wanted to add, again, you know, I will say, in terms of lockdowns, you know there there is a likelihood there'll be fewer staff, especially in a situation like this, um, which can complicate things, and also the tensions usually run pretty high. Uh, we saw come out a memo uh, in Massachusetts basically telling staff that they have a green light to do whatever they want. They're lifting any sanctions on staff discipline uh, in this crisis, which is, you know, goes without saying that it's completely abhorrent. Um, but this is definitely another, uh, place where you're going to want to document incidents and things, um, that happen as you learn of them. Um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to point that part out. I don't know if there's any, like I said, we've been talking about lockdowns, so.
1: Yeah. 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 uh, Don't even get me started on, on that you know bullshit um it happened up there but uh yeah if the facility goes on lockdown a lockdown basically means you know there's uh, there's usually very little movement you know throughout the day anyway in a prison um but it's basically you know prisoners are confined to their their cells for you know the entire day um if they're permitted to go out you know they'll probably do it in waves or however the you know however they choose to do it so that they can, you know, shower. And, you know, if they're going to allow them to use a the phone, then, you know, they may have an hour to do that or something like that. But typically in a lockdown, at least in my experience, um, it's, uh, in my experience advocating for people inside, I don't want to make it seem like i you know, have like been in there and I, and I know firsthand, um, what that is, but from, uh, from what we know, um, that all things are basically canceled. There's no um, mail delivery inside the facility during a lockdown. So even if the U.S. Postal Service is running, that mail will just accumulate in the mail room because the people who process mail mm-hmm. are typically um, other prisoners, right? So um, there will be no mail delivery. Um, so people need to be aware of that. Um, there very well may not be access to phones. Um, certainly no access to video visits or tablets or anything like that. Um, no recreation, usually no religious services or, you know, any, any of those things, um, nothing. Uh, so yeah, I think that that is a really, really, really tough situation for, um, people on the inside. It's excruciatingly Difficult and it whether they're in a single cell or whether they're in a cell with one, two, or more people, um, I think it makes it even tougher, particularly in this moment with this crisis, um, you know, around COVID 19. Uh, So you know, knowing, being aware, um, of what the process of a lockdown is, I think is really important. Um, have a conversation with your folks before there's a lockdown so that, you know, um, they can tell you what it is that they might need or to be aware of and, you know, to pay attention to and, you know, anything that you might want them to know. So, um, if your person tells you that they're being harassed or, um, had their cells shaken down or they were denied meals or medical attention or anything al- along those lines, um, we're suggesting that, you know, you document that information and also obviously ask them to document it. Um, and when you can, um, if they're able to contact you somehow, um, get the names, um, and times and dates of people that were involved, um, and call the warden's office, um, and start there. Uh, We're going to be adding phone scripts and uh, templates for letters and things like that. There are plenty Mm -hmm. of them floating around. You know, you don't have to wait for us if you don't want to. Um, You know, it's just, uh, you know, three of us working on this project right now. I mean, there's a bunch of people working on the project, but, you know, beyond prisons, you know, if we, if, do we want to call us ourselves staff, um, <laughs> <laughs> beyond prisons team or whatever, that sounds really, you know, weird corporate language. Anyway. Um, there's only three of us working on, you know, on this stuff and trying to get, um, update the the guide and get the information out to the social media, you know, set up the website and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, You know, so yeah, um just so folks are aware of that. But um yeah, I I don't think I have anything else to say on lockdowns. I think it's you know it's pretty much there.
0: Yeah. Let's let's talk about uh price gouging real quick. I think I was very glad to see this in the document. Um, you know, I think it's safe to assume considering that uh prisoners already face price gouging just on a daily basis, they face Uh, You know products that have their prices jacked up for no reason other than the fact that they're a captive market I think it's safe to assume and a good idea to prepare for um, You know for whatever range of excuses that might be given that um, we could see price hikes for especially um, You know critical and necessary supplies like soap and other sanitary products Um, So, you know again trying to get a handle on how much things cost now Um, and documenting if you see the prices go up, um, would be very useful in this moment. Um, and especially again, given the fact that like a lot of these things like soap and and necessary products are not given to prisoners, they have to buy them. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, that sort of complicates things and makes the focus on price gouging even more important. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yep. I think you nailed it.
0: Cool. Um, organize, um, you know, I think this comes up, uh, throughout this conversation, it comes up in the demands that we'll get to, um, in a moment here. Uh, but, you know, there are people around the country who are already doing this work that you can link up with some places around the country, um, where there are clearly, uh, is a lack of organizing. Um, you know, Kim, you and I have talked about this in the last day or two, um, I think this is uh, a good as time as any for folks to look around and see what is around them and what is not around them, and where there's a deficit, really begin to organize um, around these needs and the particular needs in the facility. Um, you know, again, a lot of this is uh, pinpointing the accountability in the system, whether it be the warden or the governor or your elected officials, um, and you know documenting everything and raining down on them with phone calls emails you know showing up at their offices whatever you need to do um now now is the time to sort of link up and organize um
1: yeah i mean it's like i don't know if folks aren't organizing now they're never going to organize like i mean (laughs) i I don't even know what to say um i mean i i get that there's a lot of um you know stress and anxiety and things like that. And, you know, I'm really taking um, something I learned from Mariam Kaba years ago uh, to heart. I posted it earlier today and, you know, um, I said, you know, something I learned from one of my teachers. And you can have teachers, you know, all around you, not just people, you know, from school or what have you. Um, But something I learned from Mariam Kaba um, years ago is that, you know, don't let this moment lead you into despair you know, have it lead you to organizing or something like that. And I know I'm butchering that, but the sentiment is, um, you know, and it's like, you know, the, the gist of it is there. It's like, you know, despair isn't going to help you, right. Despair isn't going to do shit for the people that are inside who are really helpless, um, and can't, you know, like do all of these things, um, that, you know, that we can do out here, they can do a lot, but, you know, We can take the weight off of them um, because we're not going to be retaliated against in the ways that people inside are right. So um, organizing, you know, organize, um, ask for all the things. uh, Don't be shy. Call the damn, you know, call the warden, call the governor, call your elected officials, write to them. Um, You know, if you don't know how to put together a phone zap, like I said, we're going to put, you know, scripts up for that. But you can find them online um, and just, you know, copy those templates and tweak them for your specific purposes. Have a list of demands um, that you want to focus on and ask people to do the things that, you know, that are needed in this moment. Um, I, I just can't see, I mean, this document grew out of, you know, just my, my need to not just sit around twiddling my thumbs waiting for, you know, like what's going to happen or when COVID-19 hits the prisons. It's, it, it was just like <laughs> that, that cannot, it, I, I, that could not be what I was going to do and, and spend my time and energy on, or, you know, as I said the other day, screaming at, you know, people on the internet, um, which is yeah. just you know, it's pointless right now. Like right now, you know, people want to talk about taking action. There are things you can do. There are things you can do. Don't let people tell you, especially when it comes to prisons, that there's nothing you can do. There's so much that you can actually do. People have been doing it for decades. If you don't know, ask someone. Um, And, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. And in in addition to that, um, you know, I, I think it's important that we recognize, you know, and this isn't to take away from any of that. And it is necessary to contact the warden and contact the governor and your elected officials. Um, I think we're all waking up or or not waking up, but we're all cognizant now of the fact that we also can't rely on the government to meet needs either. And so, um, you know, Kim has been compiling uh, mutual aid uh, information from around the uh, information on mutual aid projects around the country, um, I've been compiling them as well. We're going to put them on the website in tandem with this guide and all this information um, because I think, you know, this is as good a time as any to build, you know, parallel power structures and help each other out um, mm-hmm. and not wait for, you know, like you were saying, wait for somebody to to fix this or swoop in. Um, and, and
1: we're not the only ones doing that work. I mean, shout out to Kelly Hayes, who has Absolutely. Been- you know, uh, sharing and putting together mutual aid, you know, uh, information, you know, for several weeks now, you know, and it's like, she's really been out in front, um, shout out also to all the, um, to the disability justice um, Mm -hmm. organizers who have been out in front of this stuff and have basically shown many of us uh, what mutual aid looks like in a Mm -hmm. crisis. Um, Those folks have had to do this work for years, for years, for themselves organizing, you know, in their communities and what have you. Um, So, you know, People who don't know what that means, um, we include a wonderful video that's um, done by Dean Spade in, uh, in the form. So if you scroll down or um, click through, uh, you'll see it at, um, at the end, but you can also find it on YouTube. Uh, and it describes what mutual aid is. Uh, and it's basically just people helping each other. Mm -hmm. You know, in a nutshell, it's people helping each other and finding ways to, you know, just organize. So it doesn't have to be a huge formal thing. You don't have to be on Facebook or Twitter to do mutual aid. If you just, you know, call your neighbor and, you know, or yell across the the fence or what have you, um, balcony, I don't know, um, wherever you live and just ask, you know, are you cool? Do you need anything or whatever? That's a form of mutual aid, right? Mm -hmm. So just checking in. Um, on folks around you. uh, There are more formal networks that have popped up around specific things. I know I've seen things. um, I learned today that there's one for baristas, for example. So you can tip a barista if you do um, like a virtual meeting with someone, like if you were go to a coffee shop instead, you know, it's like because those mm-hmm. people are not getting, you know, um, are not getting paid. They don't have jobs um, right now. A lot of these places have closed. Um, there's a mutual aid for baristas. So you can, you know, add something to that fund as if you were meeting your friend in a coffee shop. And, you know, I thought that was like probably one of the coolest ideas that, you know, folks have come up with um, to, to help people who are, you um, you know, uh, unemployed right now. So, um, oh, no. yeah. but there are all kinds of mutual aid, um, things and, you know, sky's the limit. I mean, just use your imagination. What, what are things that you need, right? You can begin there. What are things that you need? Um, and if you're not getting the help, you know, it's like, I know it's, it's, uh, it's horrible to ask people who need to be the ones to, to do the heavy lifting and do that work, but maybe reach out, um, and, and check online for, you know, mutual aid in your area, and you'll probably find something that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. or you can connect with other folks who, you know, um, are in a similar position and, uh, and you can work it out together.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a section that I imagine that we'll be expanding, um, over the next several days and weeks as well, decarceration resources. Um, these can be models, uh, to do decarceration work in your community. A lot of the things that we, uh, have talked about on this pertain to people who are inside, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't also be fighting constantly to get people released throughout this period. And, you know, also in general, um, but you know, there's a lot of folks out there who have been doing this work before the crisis and are doing it now. Um, and you know we should look to them for uh for models and for tips, so we'll have resources uh for that as well.
1: we're gonna link to the demands the the guide is already public, so folks okay. can find it if they're listening to this and they want you know to to read um all of the demands but um I think we can just you know pick a few and highlight those. We already talked about our first demand, which is the immediate release of, you know, pretty much everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. And we stand by that. We think that that should be, that should be the goal, right. Is to get people out. And while we're working to get people released, we have to recognize that there are a lot of people who are also being, you know, held in confinement, and we need to make sure that those people are supported and their needs are being attended to. Um, So, it was with that in mind that we crafted, you know, developed um, the remaining uh, demands.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know another one uh, that appears in a couple different ways on here, but essentially, you know, going back to what we were saying about getting organized, you know, right now we need to demand that, uh, you know, facilities whether they be jails, detention centers, prisons. Um, are publicizing clear plans uh, for what to do with outbreaks in each prison that include clear accountability um, for how the how those things are going to play out we should be demanding right now transparency uh you know on crisis management plans testing um, what have you as much as possible we shouldn't wait for outbreaks to happen they've already started happening mm-hmm. uh, obviously in several facilities but you know, for too long, I think, um, you know, these facilities have gotten away with just sort of not having to do that. You know, saying, you know, basically justifying them as, oh, well, you know, this is a prison. We have a, a secret, or uh, you know, there is a need for secrecy here to protect our security interests. Blah blah blah. It's all bullshit. This is a time when we definitely need to demand upfront before things unfold for clear accountability and for transparency and to know what they plan to do when the shit hits the fan.
1: We talked about food and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, we talked about um, the need for prisoners to have access to you know, um, different kinds of uh, cleaning supplies, hygiene, and things like that, um, because that's, I, I think, an important part of it. Um, prisoners are not permitted to have alcohol-based products um, because it's considered contraband. Uh, So, you know, getting (laughs) getting things like hand sanitizer or bleach and what have you, um, you know, into the hands of prisoners so that they can clean off, you know, their cells, door handles and all of that stuff that this should not be um, left to the arbitrary CEO, uh, you know, know, who's on, on duty or what have you, that there needs to be a protocol, um, established. And we need to know what that protocol is as the public, right? Because as I said, you know, um, elsewhere, the conditions in prisons are the conditions for the rest of us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like anyone who's going in and out of a prison, whatever the, prisoners are dealing with and all of that stuff. So if they're in filthy cells and, you know, um, not following the WHO and CDC protocol for, you know, cleanliness around this time and, you know, managing infectious control, um, that is going to impact everyone else as well. And it is just fucking astonishing that that actually has to be said. Um, but it does right. Because People assume that, you know, oh, well, it's just the prisoners. The prisoners will be impacted. Um, and it also treats prisoners. One is they're, they're not human um, and that they're not part of the community. And they are. Right. So we want to shift the thinking to, you know, all of the things that apply to the rest of us um, apply to, you know, uh, incarcerated folks, I mean, or should apply. And it's the should that gets us in trouble all the time.
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, to, to underscore that as well, I think we really need to make sure that folks have the supplies they need to do their own cleanliness and hygiene, because the, like the prison doesn't do that. These facilities are by and large falling apart. They're decrepit. They're, you know, uh, a lot of the shared spaces are not quite as clean as they could be, uh, especially in a situation like this, where it's imperative that, you know, there's. Um, very strict hygiene. Um, the same goes for around food service. Um, so I think, you know, not, this is another situation where we don't want to expect that the prison is just going to start, you know, up the cleaning in, in people's cells and around um, the facility.
1: You um, Prisons yeah. may be doing that some prisons may be doing that but you know um this this is where you know demand number 17 i think comes in um stronger labor and safety protections mm-hmm. for prison laborers especially those who may be working uh in support of public health agencies right so whether it's prisoners who are doing hospital laundry or internally at the prison who are doing you know all of the prisoners laundry inside um all of those jobs are performed by prisoners right mm-hmm. so so, you know um all of the cleaning all of the you know grounds keep everything all of that work is done uh is done by prisoners those aren't you know like private contractors or um prison employees that, that are doing that work so making sure that those folks get um hazard pay for working in uh particularly dangerous circumstances prisoners are the ones who have to wipe down bathrooms. Um, you know, the the common showers and all of that stuff. Uh, So they're putting their lives at risk uh, in this moment.
0: Particularly as well, when we're talking about county jails, we really need to make sure that uh, we are demanding for there to be more uh, medical professionals in these facilities. A lot of county jails, for example, um, don't have on-site physicians. They'll either do telemedicine, They'll have a licensed practical nurse or registered nurses. Um, They'll have what are called circuit riders, which will be a doctor that will, you know, go around between three or four different county jails across several hundred miles and be the, the sort of, you know, primary care person for thousands and thousands of people on the inside. Um, You know, I think it's just as imperative uh, as, uh, you know, increasing, the medical staff that we need in hospitals, given the crisis that we're facing down. If we're going to keep people inside and we're not going to release them, we absolutely have to increase the number of medical staff in these facilities. Um, We have to push back on any attempts to try to avoid or delay sending somebody off site, whether it be to the emergency room or for x-rays or what have you. Um, You know, A lot of this stuff that is going to be required in this situation, is uh, the kind of things that county jails and state prisons will avoid uh, in order to save costs and sort of contain costs um, and uh, you know the last thing i'll say with that is that uh, in the event that someone does get sick we need to also make sure that the county is not waiting until the last minute and then releasing people on recognizance not only so that they're in terrible shape when they are eventually. You know getting medical care if they can um but that they're not the ones on the hook for those bills what happens when prisoners and uh incarcerated people are released on recognizance is that the county is no longer responsible for paying for their medical bills Um, Mm -hmm. it's again another one of these tricks that's a cost-saving measure and this is just you know it's an issue in general even outside of this crisis but this is a particularly serious time when we're considering there might be an influx of people sent out of prisons, So, uh, prisons and jails. So I just wanted to, to point those few, uh, things out about medical staff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we could talk about all of these. And I think in a lot of ways we, we have, um, the last one that I want to focus on and like I said, you know, they're important actually the last two. Um, and I'll start with, uh, demand number 22, immediately stop the use of shakedowns and solitary confinement. Like, I think it's unconscionable to, you know, even to to have that as a practice, but to have that as a practice in this moment, um one, you know, you're putting more people into close proximity to one another. And that is, again, the very same thing that, the who and cdc are saying you know is not going to help uh stop this crisis right so um you know put, putting people in solitary confinement also makes it difficult and you know some people may say oh you know no that's safer you know they're going to be by themselves well it makes it difficult for us to know who actually has um covet 19 who who contracts it. uh you know the the virus, um, and to advocate and get them treatment. So anyone who does have to come in contact with them, you know, is going to spread that to everyone else. So putting people in solitary confinement is, you know, fucking cruel to begin with. Um, but particularly in this moment, we're basically saying, we're going to leave you alone to die in a cell and, you know, no one's going to, you know, pay attention to you. Mm. And, uh, and that's just not cool. Um, the shakedowns are just, you know, shitty, usually intimidation tactics um, that are used by, you know, um, prison officials to, you know, disrupt things. Um, and it's it's a disruption tactic. It's, you know, tossing and, and throwing away and destroying um, personal property and, you know, including photographs, clothing, what have you, food, and all those things that families, um, in, for the most part, are the ones that are buying. Um, so yeah, so we, we demand that, um, and we encourage other folks to, you know, to, to support that. Um, number 21, I think is also really critical and it goes back to, you know, people who are being released, um, now or soon to be released, uh, and what happens, you know, uh, as we decarcerate and we get, you know, uh, folks out on compassionate release or, you know, uh, what have you, um. We're demanding that all people, um, you know, including undocumented people, automatically have access to SNAP benefits, emergency housing, uh, and are enrolled in public health care. We think that those are really non-negotiables, honestly, um, that the basic needs that people, every person, human being needs to survive should be things that, you know, uh, states are providing for um, for for people, especially people coming out of prison, particular particularly in this moment, um, which is completely unprecedented in our history, um, that people need to have access to food. Um, period, and we shouldn't make it hard uh, for them to have access to to food. Uh, people should have you know shelter. Um, So emergency housing, and it shouldn't be contingent on whether, you know, someone has, um, uh, is addicted, um, you know, uh, or is, you know, uh, there shouldn't be contingencies placed on giving people shelter. Um, And I know that, you know, other people disagree with that, but I, I, I don't care. real um and obviously it should be fucking obvious that everyone should have you know access to health care um you know in general um but in this moment i mean honestly if we don't fucking get universal health care um now then i don't know when the hell we're going to get it i mean Mm -hmm. honestly it's like it, it just but anyway that's that's what i got
0: yeah I think that's a good place to leave it. I think, you know, if you can't tell uh, from this conversation, there is a lot in here and there's a lot that we plan to add. Um, You can find this guide. We'll link to it in the episode notes. It's on all of our social media accounts. And hopefully by the time this episode goes up, um, we'll have it on our uh, shiny new website website. That will be a a hub for a lot of this information. If you're out there and you're listening, there's something that you have in mind that you want to contribute. You know, you can definitely get in touch with us beyond prisons podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, uh, we just, you know, want to do whatever we can and, you know, try to contribute uh, to helping as many people as we can around the country. So yeah, you know, Kim, I have to thank you for spearheading this effort. I have to thank all the people uh who have collaborated uh on these resources and i'm I'm um very glad that they're being put out into the world right now
1: same thank you, thank you for uh you know taking care of the the tech side of things and uh, and uh, Victoria as well for all of her help and getting this stuff um, together so you know it's it's this is a collaborative effort, and obviously, to all of the folks all of the folks who have been emailing us and following up and following through on um contributing uh to this resource, we hope that we can build it. We think that this is something that will be useful not just in this moment but beyond this moment. I think that it would be um that it's important for every single prison to have you know, um, to have advocates, um, you know, and, and folks working on, uh, on these issues.
0: With that, I, I just hope everyone out there listening, um, you know, can stay safe, help one another. Um, and yeah, thank you for, for listening and supporting.
1: Yep. Thank you.